Here's an honest question. How are you supposed to know what to do with your money? Very few of us are exposed to meaningful advice on how to manage our finances. Even fewer have the means to get professional financial guidance. Betterment is a platform that was built to do something radical, to give accessible financial advice that puts you first. If you're like most Americans, your money is probably sitting in a savings account, likely earning you next to nothing. Maybe you have an investment account that you're not really sure what to do with. Betterment can help you make sense of what to do with your money. Investing involves risk, but you don't have to know the ins and the outs of the stock market to start investing for your future. Betterment's technology will put your money to work choosing the stocks and strategies that are right for you because we know you have other things to do. Betterment's platform can even provide guidance on what financial goals make sense for you. Give your money a new home with Betterment, peace of mind included. Download the Betterment app today. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T for the betterment of you. Hey everybody, welcome to the Atheist Experience. We are live. Today is Sunday, March 24th, 2013. I'm Matt Delaney and joining me, I'm very happy to say for the first time, despite being involved in this show for longer than I have. <laughs> Almost, not quite. Almost. John Iacoletti. Woo! Thank you. It's good to... Yes, our studio audience has going up. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be on this side of the camera. Yeah, I've been working on the show for about seven years. I got here shortly after you did, I think. You, you were involved uh, earlier with other organizations and stuff right so right it just seems like forever and so it's cool that you're actually sitting in today martin uh had work obligations and john's like i'll do it <laughs> sweet so we're gonna have some fun uh it's a live call-in television show um we're gonna have the number up for you probably now-ish if not uh a little bit later Anyway, we're, we're, uh, we're out of Austin, Texas, here on Public Access TV. Uh, I don't have anything topic-wise to actually get to. As a reminder, once the show's over, we get, to get, we get together for dinner at Threadgill's. Threadgill's? Wow, I can't speak. It's a good <laughs> thing you're here. 301 West Riverside Drive. Um, you can do what you want. Show up, don't show up. Go somewhere else. Sit at home, watch something else on TV. Whatever you want to do. Some of us will be there, though. Yeah, we'll be down there. Um, I actually want to be there. Anyway, how are you enjoying your first few moments? Well, I'm trying not to be too nervous. I, I'm hoping that the chat room is gentle with me. Um, <laughs> like, I, see, that's the difference. <laughs> I don't care what they say at all. I, I generally see what the chat room is saying every week. So, yeah. uh, Well, I, I have butchered the intro and announcements enough that uh, nobody should be nervous about anything. In any case, as a reminder, there will be no show next weekend, the American Atheist 50th Anniversary Annual Convention. Well, actually... It's not annual that it's the 50th anniversary. It's not the 50th anniversary every year. But their annual convention this year, which happens to be the 50th anniversary, is being held right here in Austin, Texas at the Hyatt. Um, I'll be there, as will uh, just a ton of speakers. I mean, if you go look at the speaker list and, and the schedule, it's an ambitious 
full jam-packed Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and actually a, a little bit on Thursday evening as well. Um, so we're really looking forward to that. It's going to, once the uh, convention concludes on Sunday afternoon, there'll be a live podcast of Godless Bitches right there um, at, at the end of the convention. And because of that, we're not, well, partly because of that, we're not going to have a show next week. It's also a fifth Sunday, and it just seemed like uh, rather than trying to try to put together a show with all the other stuff that's going on, we'd encourage everybody to participate in convention activities and have a good time. So, we uh, I don't know if this thing isn't refreshed or not, but I'm seeing one call on the uh, list, even though all the lines are full. So we'll go ahead, and it's Shaitanya. Uh, uh, or Shaitanya. Hi, Matt. Hi. I'm very happy today to be able to speak to both of you, and uh, I was very nervous initially, but I have been trying hard to try to reach you guys for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and today was my lucky day. I prayed, <laughs> and I got it through. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. that's, that's one way of looking All at right. it. So there's one data point. Let's, let's test prayer some more. Okay. So I'll tell you my background. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Hindu, uh-huh. okay? And... Uh, uh, I am in uh, U.S. for a couple of years now, and while I was here, uh, I was curious about Christianity. So I visited a couple of churches mm-hmm. to understand uh, what they what they are trying to teach and uh, their point of view. So I have been to many countries like Japan, Europe, and I have visited the temples over there and talked to the priests over there, and I have a very good exposure into this religious thing. And um, uh, I feel uh, you guys have de- decided to become atheists, which is a very intelligent thing. I really respect that. From my point of view, I think you have graduated to the next level. Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah, because, uh, you see, uh, you don't have to stop there, okay? That's what I want to tell you. There are much higher levels than this level that where you are. You understand that that there's only two possibilities. There's theism and atheism. Either you believe that some God exists or you don't. No, uh, we, can, uh, we can talk it like, talk like this. See, the moment you start believing whether something is there or something is not there, you are doing a mistake. Really? Those, yeah. are, those, are, those are, as a matter of logic, the only options. Something either no. exists or it doesn't. There is another way to think. Okay. The other way to think is, I don't know and I will find out. No, 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 no. I, I'm not asserting that I know. I'm happy to say I don't know and I'll find out. But okay. as, as a matter of fact, something either exists or it does not. I agree with that approach. Okay. Now, if somebody says, this exists, there are, there are only two options for me. I either believe that it exists or I do not believe that it exists. See, the fact, the moment you use the word belief... Okay, mm-hmm. then uh, what happens is that you don't know is what you're trying to say. Well, you know no, I, it's like not. You're wearing a shirt. Do you believe that you're wearing a shirt or do you know you're wearing a shirt? Um, both. See, the two aren't mutually exclusive. Knowledge is a subset of belief. Belief simply means that you accept that a claim is true or likely true. And so you either believe something or you don't. Knowledge is a subset of belief. It has to do... The way that I tend to use it in a more colloquial sense is that you are convinced to such a high degree of certainty that it would be worldview-altering to discover that you're wrong. I really don't care about what people claim to know. 
because we don't wait until we know something or wait until we claim to know something to act. We act in accordance with our beliefs, and so it's beliefs that matter. It doesn't matter whether I know that I'm wearing a shirt or believe that I wear, I'm wearing a shirt, um, because first of all, they're not mutually exclusive. I don't have to reach the point of knowledge for my belief that I'm wearing a shirt to impact my worldview. It's already part of my worldview. See, the point I'm trying to make is that, okay, mm-hmm. is if you know that you're wearing a shirt, there is no need to believe it. You can't avoid it. If you know, like, it, if you know it, you also believe it. Like, for example, when we say that there is sun in the sky, we don't have to believe in sun, right? We know it's there. But we still believe it. Are you saying no. you, you don't believe it? If those are the only two options, you either believe or you don't, right? Um, I mean, okay, let's get ahead from this point. I think you understand what I'm trying to say, and I also understand what you're trying to say, okay? I'm not, I'm not, not so really. sure, but uh, <laughs> well, go ahead. Okay. So basically, uh, see, even in Hinduism, there are various levels, okay, where people believe in deities and they pray to the deities, just like in any other religion, Christianity, they believe in certain form of God and they pray to them, okay? Mm-hmm. But later on what happens, after a lot of struggle, once a person's maturity or experience grows, he starts asking questions like all the atheists ask, right? Mm-hmm. And they are not satisfied with the answers that they get. So mm-hmm. that is a qualification criteria to go to the next level, actually. I, I don't understand what you mean by levels, but okay. Levels, like, for example, uh, you qualified to this level of atheism. There's no level of atheism. (laughs) There's no level of atheism. It's a binary thing. You're either an atheist or you're not. The only way to be a bad atheist is to believe in a god. Okay, try what I'm trying to say, okay? Try to understand what I'm I'm saying. I'm saying that before you believed in something, okay, but then later on your intellect, your intelligence started growing and then you started questioning and then you could not find reasonable answers logical answers to your questions then you start believing that thing okay believing what thing um, whatever god concept you had well i for example never had a god belief so um, how does that fit in with with your concept of levels Okay, what I'm trying to say is that as a person, like when you are like when you are children, you know, many people believe in Santa Claus, but after a certain level, they they stop believing in Santa Claus because they know it's stupid. Okay. 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 So that is the level I'm talking about. Okay. okay. So every one of us are going through different levels in our life of understanding or maturity. Okay. Just like our body grows, our understanding or intellect also grows. So the moment you qualify to the next level. There is more. There are higher level of challenges. You have to cross that. Okay. So now what I have, what I feel is, you have qualified to the next level. Okay. So what I'm trying to say is that don't stop. Have you investigated? Have you investigated about meditation and different techniques of meditation or yoga? Sure. But what the hell does that have to do with the question? The question is, does a god exist? The, yeah. Please. The problem in Hinduism is that we don't start the question whether the god exists or not. Okay. Uh, that is not the approach we take. God, we don't even start discussing about God. Okay? Well, see, if, if at, as is, atheists, our position is about the God question. So if you're not going to address that question, um, I don't know what the hell that has to do with atheism. Uh, actually, what I'm trying to say is that the God question will be answered at the end. Okay? 
So you think you can answer the God question? Uh, First, we have to answer who are we, who am I, who are you? We have to start where, where we stand. If we don't know who we are, your name is Matt, okay? It is a name given to you by your parents, but who are you really? We have to go on asking those questions to ourselves, and through meditation you can get those answers. Yeah, see, uh, first of all, I'm interested in reality. Yeah. Um, now, I'm giving I, reality. I, 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 I understand that meditation, along with quiet reflection and other things, um, have been shown to have some positive benefits. But I have not seen any evidence that meditation provides you with some sort of grand answer that is actually demonstrably true uh, that you couldn't achieve through just thinking. Okay. I understand what you're saying. See, uh, the thing is, we have to understand that is there are two types of sciences. One is subjective science and the other is objective science. Okay. Are you with me? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Subjective science means when the experimental lab is within us. And objective science means when that's the not science. lab is outside us. No, that, that subjective experience, uh, introspection stuff, that's not science. Yeah, I would, uh, I would say all of science is objective or it's not science. Or, or strives to re eliminate an, uh, subjective. Right. Okay, I will try to explain what is subjective. Let's say I eat an apple, okay? Mm -hmm. And I give the apple to you also. You also taste it. So how the apple is going to taste to you I will never know, or you will never know how it tastes to me. It's a subjective experience. Um, okay. I, I agree with you in part in that um, I cannot fully comprehend what it's like to you, and I cannot have the same exact experience that you are, that it is necessarily subjective. But that doesn't mean that our individual experiences don't still tie to an external reality. See, See, that is where I want to try. See, this is a challenge when we start discussing about spirituality or God. It, the whole discussion is within the realm of subjectivity. Well, then I'm uninterested. If it can't be demonstrated, if there is no reliable path, if there's no scientific process to demonstrate the truth of it, then one subjective claim is just as good as another. Um, if we have no evidence supporting it, that is uh, subject to independent verification, falsification, peer review, etc. I'm, I'm not interested. You might as well tell me. You know, it's like if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I was abducted by aliens last night. Well, they might have been. But if we have absolutely no way to verify it, and there is no supporting evidence that the, even the kind of thing that they're talking about is actually true, um, then we can't be justified in claiming that their story is true. And so their story is irrelevant to me. It, I mean, apart from telling me something about them, Okay, I understand what you're trying to say, but let's say if I give you a process, let's mm -hmm. say there are 10 steps in the process, and mm -hmm. if I ask you, okay, if you walk these 10 steps, okay, and then you will go through that experience, what would you say? Um, well, I don't know. See, it's a science, okay? It's an inner science, but... What? I'm sorry, what? It is a science. But okay. See, no, no, no. You're saying... You're, you're stopping at the objective level science. Okay? Yes. You are stopping at the objective level sense, and that is what I'm trying to challenge you, that don't stop there. 
Okay. Well, I'm sorry, but if we don't stop there, then we haven't got any viable pathway to distinguish truth from fantasy. So let's say, let's say we document the process. There are ten steps. Let's say I'm proposing ten steps: A, B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever. Okay. okay. And I'm I'm telling hundred people to follow it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they will reach to a certain level of tranquility within themselves. How did you measure a level of tranquility within themselves? Unfortunately, there are no science tools available in the world today to measure anything in the subjective world. Right. So, how can you even pretend that you just demonstrated something that is reliable if you can't quantify it? Okay, Matt. Tell me one thing in your life: Have you ever met anybody who were who was able to demonstrate certain superhuman capabilities? What do you mean by superhuman? I mean, because Michael Jordan may be considered superhuman, he's certainly better than the average or even the exceptional human being at a particular thing. Like, now I'm not talking of someone who is able to lift, let's say, 400 kilos of weight versus you are able to lift only 100 kilos of weight. I'm not saying that. Okay. What I'm trying to say is that, which is humanly impossible, something like to be able to read something from your past, okay, just by looking at you. Or to be able to exactly tell just by looking at a picture of a person, what that person, everything about that person. Have you ever met such people? No. And anybody who could actually do that could win a million dollars from the James Randi Educational Foundation. So far, nobody's been able to do that in any sort of testable, demonstrable fashion. Actually, I have a couple of people who are able to do that, and I investigated the James Randi Foundation. But I found that they are not they are not uh, acknowledging or respecting certain claims. Okay, because the only they, the only claims that well I, I won't say the only ones there are claims that they don't test things like people claiming that they can jump off a building and fly because yeah. if they if they decided to test that they would potentially be liable for that idiot dying. Yeah, correct, correct. I agree with you. So there is nothing such so, such sort of danger in that. I know. Okay. Yeah, but so, if you're talking about if you know somebody who can look at a picture and tell you everything about a person, that's yep. something that the James Randi Educational Foundation would most definitely test. And I will tell you that I know many people like that. Okay, and with well, my personal own experience, I have tested that. Okay? Well, you could get you could present one and to to the JREF and have them tested. Why don't I, you do that? I will tell you. I have sent them like uh, emails almost every month, and I have not received any response from them. Okay, so I don't believe there are any credible uh, uh, people who are really there to you know uh, open up these secrets. You, you're, you're aware that they've actually conducted these tests live every well, not every year, but for the past couple of years at the amazing meeting in Las Vegas that they actually do a test, right? I know. See, okay. It, there could be two agendas of that James Randi thing. What it could be is to you know there are many people who are cheats also to expose the cheats. That is that could be one agenda. Okay, but they would not touch the genuine guys. That's okay. That uh, I tell you what, um, I don't have a million dollars. Yep. But you send me an email describing in detail. Exactly what it is that you, that you, the superhuman thing that you have somebody that can do, and if in fact I agree that this is superhuman and, and something that would be deserving of the JREF, not only will I contact them uh, and and see if they would be willing to test it, um, but we'll talk about maybe setting up a test protocol where maybe they could get a thousand dollars. But even outside of all that, why in the hell has no scientific journal 
tested and demonstrated that these guys can do something miraculous. Yeah. If you want to look, there are many scientific journals who are testing. Like, for example, I'll give you a simple example. You can look in the YouTube itself, okay? No, YouTube. I'm not going to go looking at YouTube. At no, no, no. Very... Okay, go ahead. I'm, just, I'm, I'm going to tell you just one example. Hear me out. There is one guy, okay, who has not eat, eaten food for many years. Bullshit. Do you believe this is possible? No, I, I actually, not only do I not believe that it's possible, I am utterly convinced that it is, an, that it is a lie. These supposed sun eaters have been tested, and they are liars. Now, that doesn't mean they're all liars. Maybe you found somebody who actually can exist without eating. Um, but until they're tested under strict conditions, you can't claim that it's true. And the fact that you would point to YouTube and say, look, here's a video about a guy who claims he hasn't eaten anything in years. I mean, that's just nonsense. Come on. I'm trying to tell you that that there are further examples and we can personally go and investigate. What is the big deal? I can't investigate whether or not somebody has eaten in the past three years, but what I can do is lock them in a room without food and see how long they last. And no wonder the JREF doesn't want to test your absolutely preposterous claim. You, you started off by talking about somebody who could look at pictures and tell you about people. And now, as your prime example, you want to go to a test that is harmful. Why? I'm, I'm ready for Give, that kind of you know, challenge that I will take you to those people. I don't want to go to somebody who claims they haven't See, That eaten. is the problem. No, See, no, no. Problem. No, no, no. The no, problem. You're running away. You're scared to face the truth. I'm scared. Would you, would you let me finish the sentence? What I, what I was saying was, I don't want to go see those people who claim they haven't eaten because going to see them can prove nothing. Bring, what? going to see someone who claims that they haven't eaten in years proves nothing. Do you know how long you'd have to sit with somebody and guard them to make sure that they weren't eating? Do you have any idea what that entails? Okay, scientifically I'll tell you, it takes 45 days for a man to die without food. Okay. So how do these people prove, demonstrate that they okay. haven't had food in three years or whatever? No, no, don't have, you don't have to stay there, stick around for three years. I'm saying just stick around for 60 days. If you are, see, that is the reason. See, you have to be equally passionate to find out the truth. They are ready to test themselves. But how can you, you tell, how can you tell from a YouTube video? That doesn't sound fair, no. How can you tell by watching a YouTube video that this person didn't eat for even 45 days? Have you, I'm not saying that. Have you, have you ever sat with any of them for 60 plus days? I have seen people myself my whole life. But have you, you have you actually sat with any of these supposed sun eaters for 60 plus days, nonstop, 24 hours, verifying that they didn't eat? I have not sat. You haven't? But I have not said, but we have to give them the benefit of doubt. No, we don't. You don't give the benefit of the doubt on claims about not eating food. Are you going to give somebody the benefit of the doubt when they claim that they can fly? Listen, we have to give them the benefit of doubt because we have to go there and test them. No, I'm not the one running away here. You're the one running away. You're, I'm not you're running. running I'm you're running away by giving them the benefit of the doubt. You found something, and you're willing to just go ahead and accept it at face value. And I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. But and I'm sorry. But I'm a scientific guy. I am. You are not scientific. 
Okay, you, and evaluate them scientifically, and these people, okay. You are demonstrating that you do not understand the rigors of scientific investigation. Do you think that, for example, Scientific American magazine would publish a big old article about these sun eaters, these people who don't eat, and say, our, our, the, our reason for accepting this is that we must give them the benefit of the doubt. Do you think that's the way science works? Science works based on a lot of, you know, financing by corporations. Do you believe in all scientific journals? We're done. Thanks so much for calling in. No, no, listen. No, no, we're done. Uh, I was actually going to do something kind of fun today. And I'm, I'm sorry, I want to make sure you get in on this too, which was to have everybody in the studio audience kind of like get a little a card. And when they reached the point at which they would hang up on the collar, they would just hold it up. And then when I saw enough of these, that would determine. And I wouldn't hang up before I saw enough of them, but I forgot to hand out the cards. Um, Science doesn't work that way, does it, John? No, it doesn't. And, uh, you know, as soon as he said, give them the benefit of the doubt on some claim they make, that's, you're already outside the realm of science there. Science is, is demonstrating, um, you don't give anything the benefit of the doubt in science. Yeah. I mean, the benefit of the doubt is something that we would call faith um, and gullibility. It's one of those things where you, you can actually test those people. You could probably come up with a, a somewhat safe scientific protocol. Um, but, yeah, these people who claim that they don't eat, you would have to lock them up in a room and monitor them 24-7 to make sure that nobody was sneaking them any room, any food. Um, you'd have to monitor their health conditions. Um, and, and there's a number of different ways that they could potentially cheat. One of the things is when, when scientists go and investigate this, they need to have people who are experts in fooling people involved in setting up the test protocols, which is why the James Randi Educational Foundation is run by uh, magicians. And, and magicians are involved in, as far as I can tell, every test protocol they've ever set up because that's where the expertise is in fooling people. It's right. just, I hear these things, these amazing things, and when we go... On the, on the occasions when we investigate this, it's kind of kind of silly that, you know, pretend like we're not willing to investigate them. Um, if somebody makes this amazing, miraculous claim, dowsing, um, we've tested dowsers over and over and over again. Will we ever reach a point where we've tested dowsers enough that we don't have to test them anymore? Well... As a rule, as a in the broad-based scientific pursuit of truth, no, we'll never reach that point. Because it's possible that somebody could develop a dowsing talent or ability that's paranormal, and they could pass. There might be somebody who could pass. But when it comes to determining how we're going to spend our time, yeah. I'm pretty sure we don't really need to waste time testing dowsers anymore. At least, at least... Anybody who wants to be tested and verified should have to pass some preliminary tests that um, don't waste the time of the people who are, who are busy trying to do things like, I don't know, cure cancer. The I talk to the dead. Great. When they talk back and you can prove it, then we'll have something to talk about. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's so, it's so far outside the realm of, of everything that we've experienced that it's an extraordinary claim. So... Okay, well, yeah, like you said, it may be true that somebody didn't eat for 60 days and survived. That would be extraordinary claim. Um, you don't just believe that until they can be proved to be doing some kind of trick. It's the other way around. If you want to do science, you 
you, you believe the null hypothesis, hypothesis until you have a good reason to believe otherwise. Yeah, the last, the last thing I'll say on this is that while I, I, I'm not an encyclopedia or a doctor, and I didn't have time to look anything up, um, I'm also not convinced by your 45-day uh, claim, because I seem to recall hunger strikes that went on for 70 or more days, but also everybody's a little bit different. I might starve to death in two or three days, uh, maybe 10, maybe 15. Somebody else might last a whole lot longer. Uh, you're talking about people claiming that they haven't eaten for years, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you could set up a test protocol for that. Uh, certainly, uh, you could take the food budget and spend it on video cameras. I mean, <laughs> watch it that way. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, Ethan in New Brunswick, how are you? Very good. Good afternoon, Matt and John. How are you? Pretty good. Good. How are you? Very good. Very good. I would like to first start off by saying that I am a practicing member of the uh, Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and uh, I just like to, I know that you dismiss what you call the myth of theism. Would you consider theism a myth? Um, theism? Yes. No. It's the belief in anything supernatural. Well, Currently no, first of all, like, theism isn't the belief in just anything supernatural. It's specifically the belief in a god, but I right, don't, I don't right, know that right. theism doesn't entail anything other than accepting a god, so I'm not sure that I would consider that a myth. Uh, the okay. religious, the specific religions that have built up, um, many if not most or all of those I would probably consider myths. Okay, because uh, I noticed that while, while you uh, reject theism, that would probably be a better word, reject, rather than, uh, yeah, while you reject theism, it seems that you hang on to certain theological principles and, and other certain principles that aren't very sound, maybe even less sound than theology. Um, what... See, you've, you've covered a lot of territory there. What theological beliefs do you think that I'm hanging on to? Because I definitely want to purge those right off the top. Okay. Well, well, well first, it's it's um, you're you, you have a theological first name. A theological okay. first name? Yeah, Matthew. Matthew. A, a, a there's Christian nothing. Name. There's there's nothing theological. There's nothing necessarily tied to a God belief about having a label attached to you. Right, but if you but if you have this and you aren't if you were an, an admitted atheist, did you ever consider admitted changing atheist? your first name? A admitted atheist? <laughs> I, it's not like it's, uh, it's like an know, admitted some, bank robber yeah. or something. You know, well, you don't uh, have you to have put a qualifier show, on there. The show. I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist. My name is Matthew. The fact that my first name, which is given to me my, by my parents, has some meaning in some religion is irrelevant to the fact that it's convenient to keep that label, but I am not in any way attaching any theological significance to my first name. But with the, but with the history, it's theological history, wouldn't you feel it's more consistent logically? Because... Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand these out real quick. You keep going, pass these around for me. To uh, oh, we could ignore that and go on to another topic, as well, you said. No, no, I don't. No, no, rounds. Ethan, Ethan, Ethan. I don't want to just. If you feel Ethan, uncomfortable, sir, that's okay. E Ethan, we don't have to talk about it. Ethan, Ethan, can I finish? We don't. Sure. I don't. I don't want to ignore that and move on. I want to either. I want to figure out whether or not your point was valid or not, and I would like one of us to acknowledge it, because saying that I'm clinging to theological ideas by pointing to the fact that my first name has some meaning within Christianity 
seems really absurd to me because I'm not clinging to the meaning behind my name. I am using the label that was given to me as a matter of convenience. And you find this convenient still? Yes, because changing my name is rather inconvenient. I am kind of a public figure at this point, so right, there's right, some confusion right, right. involved there. Mm -hmm. Well, and the idea that that uh, Christianity owns the name Matthew is is that's like saying your name is Ethan, so so you're attached to furniture making because of Ethan Allen. It's it's that's just what your name is. It doesn't have anything to do with what some other Ethan might be. But the, uh, I'm discussing the origins. We know that. Would you disagree that the origin of the word, the name Matthew, is from? Uh, the Bible or from Christianity no. in particular? Yes. I would, I would disagree that the name Matthew is from the Bible or Christianity in particular. And you know how I know? Because I've read the Bible and there was a person who was named Matthew before Christianity. The name existed before your religion. You just fell into the dumbest logical trap. It can't be contingent on Christianity if the name of the apostle existed before Christianity. When I was in seminary, they, they, they told me, I went to a seminary, I'm not, I'm not a priest, I'm just a practicing member. But I talked to these people and they told me that, they, that the Matthew is a, is a, was a Christian name and uh, perhaps they got it wrong. I mean, uh, well, I, instead, of, instead of just going on what they told you? Uh, yeah. maybe you should think about it some more. Yeah. Would you Would you at least acknowledge that if the guy's name was Matthew before Jesus got to him, that clearly Matthew is not contingent on Christianity? Yes, yes. So, you, so your first point is conceded then. Okay, the, the last point I, I, I like to address then uh, is the, uh, the uh, e equality myth, by, by this myth of equality, mm -hmm. uh, by, whereas no individual regardless of whether they're related or not, or gender or race, that, that's the place. The individual itself, it seems that this equality myth, uh, that nobody is created equal in intelligence, strength. I agree. Uh, you do? Yes. So, so see, you called up to tell me I was wrong about something when you didn't even know what my position was. But, but the lack of, of uh, all men being created equal, or human beings being created equal, it, it, that 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 seems uh, it's it, it, it is mythological. Wow, I got so you. I got, you, I got you off your script. I just told you I don't accept that. Um, you seem to be confusing the idea that in principle we should treat people equally. That people should have equal protection under the law and equal, have equal opportunity, but not equal results. You're you're confusing our position that the world benefits from treating people equally and giving them equal access under the law with this idea that all people are equal in every respect, which is, of course, nonsense. Oh, well, uh, well, thank you, uh, Matt and John, for your time. Thank you very much. I know you have other calls and that uh, the uh, curry eater took up most of the time, I know, but you two have a great day now. Thank you. God bless. What did he say took up most of the time? The curry, curry eater. eater. Oh, well, that's If I had caller ID right now, I would find your number and block and ban you permanently for being an ignorant fucking racist. Why would you say something so stupid? Some, something... You, 
I'm so glad that people understand that that was a practicing Roman Catholic who didn't understand about names and labels, didn't understand about equality, and is happy to toss around uh, kind of mild to moderate uh, racial slurs at people. Just, yeah. oh, the curry eater. For real? I eat curry, fucker. All right, so I'm dropping F-bombs like crazy on today's show. It's a good thing there's not one next week. Johanna in Thinesville. Is it Thinesville? Thinesville. Thinesville, how you doing? Thanks for waiting. Hi. I uh, put this on the Rational Skepticism Forum, and a number of the people tried to refute it, but some of them said outright that they couldn't refute it. And uh, they, they didn't accept the conclusion, but they had a hard time with it, and I wanted to pass it on you guys to see what you think. They couldn't, um, they couldn't yeah, refute it. It's a philosophy argument. Um, jo- John, is, how do you pronounce your first name? I'm sorry. Johanan. Um I'll tell you right from the get-go uh, that when I hear this could not be refuted, um, I have an instant prejudice, and okay. I and I want to make right. sure that I get that out of the way first. Um, okay. It to me, it sounds very much like a shifting of the burden of proof. I've presented this, and people couldn't refute it, okay. which doesn't tell you at all whether or not it's true. Okay, the premises are true. I'll see what you guys think of it. Okay. So you both, you guys, I think we're all pretty much on the same page here that we believe that substance dualism is false, correct? Yes. It, 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 uh, sure. Okay. So now, you've heard of Chalmers' hard problem. The argument was that Chalmers' hard problem demonstrates that mind is not reducible to non-mind. And therefore, since dualism is impossible, monistic idealism entails. Yeah, you lost me already. Okay, let me rephrase that. You can't reduce the mind to non-mind, therefore the mind is fundamental. Dualism is impossible, therefore no other fundamental substance can exist. I don't necessarily know that you can't reduce the mind to non-mind. Okay, I thought you might attack that, which is I had a a backup argument on that premise. A very simple one. Um, You can conceive, now there's not to say that it's true or anything, but you can conceive that the world is solipsist, correct? You could conceive hypothetically that... Everything else, John is a hallucination, I'm a hallucination. You're, asking, you're asking me, do I think there's a solution to hard solipsism? No, I do not think so, but that doesn't okay. mean there isn't. Okay, so that would mean that in some world, not our world, obviously I'm not a solipsist, you're not a solipsist, but in some possible world, actually, I kinda there actually is a solipsist world and a mind does exist in it. No. Not, not in, in a late Nietzschean sense, like a hypothetical, it's, it's a modal logic argument. Yeah, which I, uh, I I am not remotely interested in modal logic arguments, um, and have been on record of of uh, rejecting axiom S five and this. Enti- I don't see the use in any of this. That talking about possible worlds, um, okay, well, I, I'm I'm more interested in reality and arguments <coughs> that deal with reality and the one we experience. Okay, well, the, the purpose of modal logic is that you can intuit things about the actual world. Yeah, I, and I don't, I, don't, right. I, I don't value that. Okay, let me rephrase it in such a way that perhaps isn't modal in nature then. Um, you, said you, you said there is not a, you or admitted there is no solution to hard solipsism, right? No, what, I said, is that, what I said is that I don't believe there's a solution to hard solipsism, but there okay. might be. Okay, so you don't believe there is. But the reason that you can conceive of that in the first place, the whole notion of hard solipsism, is because you can conceive of a world in which a mind could exist, which is purely solipsistic. Right? I can conceive of that. 
That doesn't that okay. doesn't mean that I can conceive that it is possible. Okay, so the reason that that is logically possible, even if it isn't true, or even if there is some way around it, perhaps the reason it's logically possible is because you can put the word the concept of a solipsistic universe together with the mind in such a way that they do not logically contradict. The properties of the mind are such that they could fit into a solipsist world, even though maybe that's not the case. I don't know that that's true. Well, so, for example, when you conceive of everything, you know, when you're thinking in your brain... I don't conceive of everything, but okay. Okay, when you're thinking in your brain, mm-hmm. everything that you perceive or conceive of is actually a perception or an idea. You don't actually perceive the, the matter itself, and likewise, you don't know of John's conscious state because you're not John, right? So all you actually know about the world, you do this all the time without even thinking about it, um, all you actually know about the world are your perceptions of the world and your own inner conscious experience. Okay. And so because of this, you actually do logically, consistently conceive of solipsism all the time without even realizing it. Okay. Okay. So now that being the case, since the mind uh, could exist in such a world, and we can also know that, you know, material things cannot exist in an immaterial solipsist world, how do we know Therefore, that? the mind cannot be material. Yeah, material things can't exist in a, in a, in a fully immaterial world? Is yeah, you can't put it, obviously this is contradiction in terms, you can't put a material object into an immaterial world. Sure. What, what reason do we have to think that immaterial well, world, is, immaterial world is, a, is, is not even a, a coherent concept as far as I'm concerned? But for arguing for idealism, then it could be. Yeah, I tell you what, why don't you just email us? Because right now people's eyes have glazed over. I know mine have. And, does, does this and I don't know what this up? has to do with anything. Okay, well, my, my whole argument was that when you bring this about, the entire fact that you can conceive of this demonstrates that the mind has to be immaterial because it could not exist in a material world. And there are other arguments from philosophy of mind going in the same direction. Well, it depends yeah. on what, what you're actually labeling mind. The mind may not be anything. We're talking about potentially an emergent property of the brain, and um, so and you you may be mislabeling what the brain does as an entity. And I well, that's based on that's based on a posteri- a posteriori reasoning, which is from neuroscience, and a posteriori reasoning always follows from a priori reasoning. And so, for example, if you doubt the existence of the mind, then you have to doubt the existence of the scientific method as well. No, you don't. Yes, because you have to have a mind to do the science in the first place. Okay. And remember Descartes' first uh, meditation where he... Yes, I think, did, therefore I am. Right, and he, remember how he arrived at that conclusion? He tried to doubt everything he could possibly doubt. He said, you know, maybe I'm in a dream, maybe this isn't real. I, I am yeah. agreeing, this is about identity. I'm, what I'm talking about is, maybe I wasn't clear, what you are labeling as mind, you are mis... And, and I'm not asserting that this is true... You are labeling something that it is that is a function, but not an entity. So right. that's, the, that's a category error, though. How is it a category area error? Well, if I if if it boy, let me finish. How is right. it a category error if all I'm saying is that we have no way to be certain that you aren't simply mislabeling a function of the brain as an entity unto itself? Because asserting that there is the brain and the mind is dualism. I'm not asserting that there is the brain and the mind. I'm asserting that the brain is in the mind, rather. The brain is in the mind. See, and see, yeah. I don't, I don't see any reason to assert that at all. I see only the brain and the brain doing stuff. 
Okay, when you look at the brain, what do you see anyway, though? Well, I don't tend to cut people's I mean, skulls you, open. You're, you see it on TV or see it somewhere. You see color qualia, don't you? And shapes. These I, are I'm sorry, mental constructs. Everything you know about the exterior world via science and induction reduces to qualia at the end of the day. Uh, I reject qualia. Sorry. You should just go ahead and but email us. No, I'm sorry. You're, you're, the, the science, I'm sorry, and this is this is so off base, and you've got about I don't know three or four white flags here. So just go ahead and email us because uh, uh, qualia to me is just nonsense. Thanks, sir. All right. I think where he's going that ultimately is trying to define God into existence again in yet another way. Yeah. And my eyes glazed over about two minutes into that. But yeah. If my if all my mind can do is conceive of the world, therefore I have no reason to think that uh, the world outside is actually real. Um, I think that while there is no firm defeater for that concept, I think there is one, but I'm not going to go into it. And then you get to um, that our mind, that our brain is within a mind, and that there's a universal mind, and then there's God's mind. It's uh, yeah, I call you. The idea that there's something, uh, uh, an essence of, of what it's like to be this thing. Uh, let's let's take another call. William in New Bern, how are you? Pretty good, y'all. Pretty good. Good. Um, oh, are you or me? Go ahead. Okay. Well, here in the next I Hello? Yeah, I keep on hearing this all night, and, well, and it's not the um, stream. I have a muted. Are you on a cell phone? Yes. Yeah, that's probably the problem. We see that a lot with cell phones. So just try and get your question out, and we'll address it as best we can. Oh, never. I tried calling yes last week when Jen brought up the um, marriage equality, and I'm wondering, as opposed to gay marriage, if having marriage not a legal institution would be the best way for marriage equality. Um, I I don't see how that's practically feasible. I don't think it's likely to happen. And considering you're talking about a culture where um, not only, and I'm not just making an appeal to history, I'm saying that there's a ton of people who are married and have benefits from that, you would have to rewrite so much of the law to wipe out marriage benefits and institute a whole new section of contract law to reestablish those benefits in another way. To get, now, don't get me wrong. I've heard this argument before. The government should get out of the marriage business. And maybe in an ideal world, I think I could maybe go along with that, that there's probably not a good justification for giving special treatment to people who happen to couple. But the fact is we do. And it is ingrained in society, and it's not something where I see any reasonable path to get rid of it. And as long as that's the case, I, it should be available to everybody. Well, there's a couple points on that one. I'm trying to, you said a lot of things, I'm trying to break it down, but. Is it easier to just say, hey, you two guys over here and you two girls over here, you're now allowed to get married and get all these benefits that everybody else has got? Or is it easier to completely eliminate marriage from our culture? Which one's easier? There are two guys and two women. There you go. I'll concede that point. However, I'm not talking about eliminating marriage culturally, just legally. Okay, which one's easier? 
telling since we already have it established legally and it has worked its way into the laws and and, in, and integrates into everything from taxes to child support and everything uh, survivor benefits who makes decisions about medical stuff since we have already have all this stuff which is easier giving everybody access to it equally or ripping it out and starting over Considering my state of it just made it illegal to practice gay marriage, I really don't know. How can I, wow? How could you not? Um, okay, you realize that the legal marriage is the only thing that anybody's concerned with, right? That's the only marriage that matters. It's the only one that counts. If you say you're married and you're not legally married, we're talking about two different things. Right. So, I'm just. So, oh, with, with respect to the law, do you think it's easier to, to, to change the law so that now same-sex couples can qualify to marry or to get rid of all of the laws that relate to marriage? I think gay marriage could be easier, and but it's still a little bit harder than... You're making it sound. Well, okay, Sorry. first of all, um, I'm not trying to make it sound hard. I was pointing out something that I thought would be just intuitively obvious to everybody, that um, allowing same-sex couples, not not considering gender when, when marrying, as a matter of law, is easier than rewriting all the laws around marriage. Um, I also... Don't know what you mean when you say I'm making that it's harder than I'm making it sound. When to me, it's pretty easy. There's a number of states that have done it. You pass a law, and guess what? When you go get your marriage certificate, nobody cares what your gender is anymore. How hard was that? Not very hard. That's true. But there's also a state, mine in particular, unfortunately, that has it in the Constitution recently, saying that gay people can't get married. Okay. So, I mean, how hard would it be to overturn it in states like mine and yours, I'm assuming? Ah, we, we might be talking about two different versions of hard. There's hard in the sense of getting the votes to do this and hard in the sense of the actual application. Do you have something on? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all the infrastructure in the legal system is already there for marriage. It's just a matter of not discriminating. Um, so in that respect, it's easy. You just stop caring what the genders of the people applying for the marriage license are. Um, but when people add these things like you're talking about, the Constitution amendments and things to you know, specifically prohibit people from having the same rights as others, that's, you know, it's, that is hard to overturn in some states. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. But it's still, it would be harder to like Matt said, remove the institution of marriage from all the legal system. Yeah, I wonder which of those amendments would be harder to pass. The, let's let's get rid of the amendment that we passed because we didn't want gay people to get married. Or let's pass an amendment that gets rid of marriage. Yeah. I'm not... Actually, you know, if there was enough support for it, we could get everybody behind it, I might actually vote for it. Um, for which one? For the, for the elimination of uh, special benefits for people who are married. Um... The problem is, one of my reasons for doing this is that even if we have proper marriage equality, um, there are still issues 
where people are getting benefits for being married um, when people who aren't married are contributing just as much and, and deserve to be treated equally as well. And so there's there's still some sort of... Un- by the idea of a, of a government-sanctioned marriage that has benefits is necessarily uh, going to perpetuate inequality. It's always going to be married people, single people. There's always going to be some inequality there. It kind of reminds me a little bit of who gets nonprofit status. Yeah. And my, my position on this is that, you know, you, you've got... You should have... You should offer some justification for having a nonprofit status, that you are doing something... Um, that is a value to the community to support the fact that you're not paying taxes because churches get it by default and yet they still make use of public resources. When they're, when the church catches on fire or has a, you know, flood a damage or lightning, whatever, they still make, they're still calling the police when they get broken into, they're still calling the fire department and these are services that they're not actually paying for. And so they should make some demonstration that they're doing something in the public interest instead of just, you know, lining their pockets. But. Yeah, so in theory, I agree. It, it, one way to solve the inequality of married versus single people is to is to not make that distinction. But culturally, that's so entrenched that it's not going to happen. So yeah. what are we going to do now is basically the question in order to make things as equal as we can. And, and some might argue that if your true goal is to get rid of marriage entirely... You should support everything that comes up to allow people to get married. If somebody creates a bill where they want to be able to marry their goldfish, you should support that because the more ludicrous marriage becomes, uh, the more likely it is that the the whole infrastructure could possibly be uh, collapsed. But I don't know. I I just... um, I like being married. Um, Not not just for the benefits of it. I I generally like being married. I love my wife. I I like uh, the things that commitments to other people do um, and I hate seeing people who are clearly as in love with their partner as I am with my wife who would love to be recognized in you know in public both both socially and legally and who are denied that um, I, I think it's it's a pretty hateful thing yeah I do agree that that is pretty hateful. Um, does that also include to polygamy that you're talking about? Because you said the best way to get marriage a non-issue is to legalize as much as possible. Does that include Well, polygamy? yeah, I, I would say vote for that uh, if that, that's the goal. Um, my, my take on polygamy uh, is that we don't necessarily have to go that far. I mean, you know, it's kind of a slippery slope argument that's often made. If you if you let gay people marry, people will be marrying, you know, 20 people or their dog and all this other stuff. You can draw a line wherever, and the point is to make sure that we're drawing a line equitably um, and saying, yeah, you get one person that you get to share this legal benefit rather than your marriage corporation, I, I think is a reasonable place to draw a line. However, I know and have, I'm friends with a lot of people who are polyamorous um, and who... That might have been the word I was looking for, but polygamy. I have no objection to. Better. I have no objection to polyamory. You love whoever you want. If it works for you and you're not hurting people and it's among consenting, love everybody. Mm-hmm. Just be safe and. I love John. Thank you for sitting <laughs> in with me today. Anyway, thanks for the call. All right, thanks for hearing me out. All right. Let's see, uh, Alan in Austin, Texas. 
Hi, how are you? Are you really from Austin? Because we don't even know anybody in Austin anymore. Yeah, actually, I'm um, originally from upstate New York, and I just recently moved down to Austin with a job. My family's coming to coming to move down with me uh, once once school ends this summer. You know, you could just sit down right here in the audience and. Yeah, I was I was actually trying to find the the address to come and and watch the show today. That's um, what I need to do. That's thank you, Alan. I'll let you get to your thing. We only got a couple minutes left, but let me hit this real quick. Yep. We haven't done this enough to remind people that if you're in the Austin area. Yes, you can actually sit down here in the studio audience. It's you can uh, over at our blog, freethoughtblogs.com/axp/how uh, to visit the show. Uh, there's information up there. It's at the uh, channelaustin.org is the public public access studio. There's directions there to it. Um, yeah, it's, it's something we should say more about. What, what did you have for us, Alan? Um, I was actually trying to. I was justifying why I don't typically tell people that I'm atheist and I'm actually I'm working with a, a technician who's training me who's from Kansas and he actually brings up politics and religion all the time and uh, he he you know quote unquote knows there is a God um, and I the way I justify it is I can I can use logic and reason to to say that there's no use for basically for wearing clothes other than, you know, protection from the elements, but I'll still, I feel I'm, you know, gladly brainwashed into wearing clothes all the time. I'm not a nudist or anything. Um, but I would, I can see their, their perspective, like a nudist perspective would be, well, logically, if I'm in an office, not, you know, there's, it's 70 degrees, I don't need to wear clothes, but we have the social pressures are so strong that we'd feel, you know, we feel shame and we have to wear our clothes. Um, I just find it real difficult to come out, tell somebody that I don't believe there is a God and I don't have any reason to without getting into an argument. And I can't really, I try to avoid it just so I don't, I don't want to get into an argument and I feel I'm insulting somebody so much and hurting their, their feelings so much where they're going to get angry with me basically, especially with someone I'm working with, you know. Yeah. Um. You know, ideally, religion shouldn't come up in the workplace at all, and it's sad that when you're in a minority position that you sometimes have to bite your tongue. They don't have any qualms about sharing their religion. Um, right. And I understand. I, I, I think that's something that you need to kind of decide what's in your best interests and, um, you know, and act accordingly, and sometimes that's just letting it go. Yeah, and it, it's come up where... Uh, the the guy I'm talking about from Kansas, he's he brings it up, and I I kind of nod along, and he he knows now that I don't believe after we've been together for a long time driving around. Yeah, it's uh, there's but, there's a risk. I mean, it's one of those yeah. things identifying who you are to other people. There's a risk. There's a risk of losing employment. There's a risk of losing family. They're actually rolling the credits. Uh, I gotta let you go. Um, but, but yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with uh, not necessarily being out if it's not something you're comfortable with. And you've also convinced me. I guess I'm just going to do the rest of the show naked. So thanks, everybody, for participating. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it. Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! 
Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.